that is a lengthy introduction to One Thing's Needful, the first three verses. Fortunately, it was actually written with nine verses, ten stanzas. And in our hymnal, we only have five of them. And today is Tuesday, July the 16th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. And with us, of course, is our good friend, Pastor Mark Smith, to talk about this hymn. Hey, Tom, don't you just wish you were at the youth gathering up in Minneapolis? <laughs> oh, is that occurring this week? Oh, yes, it is. Well, if you've been listening to the coffee hour, they've been talking about it all this week. <laughs> this is not a good week for me at all. Really? Uh, the reason we had to go three stanzas, folks, is I pulled the mic towards me and it fell off its stand. <laughs> and so it's just kind of hanging here right now. But we'll get that fixed. Plus, we weren't able to listen to the hymn ahead of time. So that that's too bad, too. And then something terrible happened to uh -oh. me on Sunday. Uh oh what happened? I was preaching, and I get excited about the good... Uh, Samaritan, yeah, because of my understanding of it, sure. And I ended with an amen, and my pants fell to the floor. <laughs> you what? Your what? Your pants fell to the floor. <laughs> How did that happen? I guess I didn't Your have belt? the belt on. Well, since surgery, I've been losing yeah. weight and yeah. stuff. And I had it at the regular place. <laughs> and, and I well, don't you had a rope on. I hope. Uh, yes. <laughs> and you were, and you were surrounded by the pulpit, right? No, uh, it was in front of me, but we were using the liturgy where right after it, we say the prayer and I couldn't walk to the altar. <laughs> Boy, that's gotta be a first. I've never heard of that. Happening. No, I haven't. The, the closest thing to that was what I, I had a, a professor that was helping me out once Yes, with, uh, you know, I was, I was out of town at the time and, and, uh, he was covering for me, and he had one of these Velcro belts around his alb. Oh, yes. Well, the Velcro un, uh, uh, unloosed, it, it came unloose, and the Velcro belt fell down to his ankles. <laughs> well, that's not a big deal. That's not real bad. No. But uh, but I've never heard of the pants. <laughs> no, and the people in the front row didn't even know. Didn't even know, yeah. No, right. until I suddenly had to go down. <laughs> <laughs> and try and pull your pants up through this robe and stuff. And Boy, that when they is finally really... caught it, they couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> so here's a tremendous sermon. Well, how did you? And all they're talking about is pastor's pants fell. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you? How did you explain? Did you give any explanation or anything? That... Well, I said, you know, since surgery. In fact, when I saw the doctor, one of the nurses said, "Boy, your pants really seem kind of." big on you uh -huh. right now. And so, believe it or not, right now, Louise went and bought a new pair of pants smaller than I had. Oh, I I'm see. wearing it right now. I see. I thought maybe she went and bought you a bunch of White Castles so you could fill your pants up. No. <laughs> one of the ladies there said, you got to take my husband with you to the store and both of you get suspenders. Because <laughs> it happened to him when he was golfing. No kidding. His pants fell down. <laughs> So, boy, we've been having a lot of fun. I guess, yes. Well, last night I went out. I thought I'd go out from 8 to 10, and I didn't get home till midnight with Uber. And, boy, I had some really good... You know, I'm really seriously thinking of taking time here on KPO and sharing the conversations I've had with people. I had one girl. I talked about her already. 
But uh, at the end of our conversation, she says, you know, I think I'm Lutheran. No kidding. Well, yeah, you've you've talked about that where yes. you've uh, you've uh, instructed people and they say, well, that's what I've always believed. Exactly. I, I've always said all Christians are closet Lutherans, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's certain questions I ask that they always give the Lutheran answer to, like, when you die, who will you give all the credit to for your salvation? And they always say Jesus, uh-huh. if yeah. they're Roman Catholic, yeah. Presbyterian, Methodist, or whatever. But which now, is which is really, when you think about it, it's kind of comforting because oh, uh, it is. because uh, you realize the power of the gospel, even yeah. in the, even in these other denominations where they distort the gospel and uh, they don't give all the comfort that the people are entitled to, and still the Holy Spirit is working and uh, bringing these people. To a, a better understanding of of salvation well, by according grace to alone. Matthew twenty five. God doesn't judge you on the doctrine in your head, right. But on the faith in your heart, right. And and whether you can verbalize it or not. Some people just can't verbalize their faith. Yeah, no, and there's no problem with right. that. In fact, that's what I've said. Every sermon is is to catch your head up with your heart, right. And uh, that's why we explain the gospel all the time. Uh-huh. Now, this particular hymn was actually from a pietistic background. And it first appeared um, in, in one of the first hymnals in, what was the date here? Early 17th, early 18th century. Um, it appeared in a Darmstadt hymnal of 1698. This is a new tune. It's the only one in Lutheran worship uh, with this tune. And it is the product of Adam Krieger, often referred to as the Schubert of the 17th century. You said Darmstadt Hymnal. That's where my ancestors are from, Darmstadt. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they were from the Congo. Hessian Darmstadt. No. In Germany. Oh, it's Germany. Excuse me. (laughs) I knew that. So, you going to sing it Sunday? Um, You don't know. I might. I might. During communion. Yeah. One thing's needful. So why don't we look at it with stanza one. All right. One thing needful, Lord, this treasure. Teach me highly to regard. All else, though it first give pleasure, is a yoke that presses hard. Beneath it, the heart is still fretting and striving. No true lasting happiness ever deriving. This one thing is needful. All others are vain. I count all but loss that I, Christ, may obtain. I believe that pastors, a lot of them, are really unaware of the way the world thinks because most of our conversation is with members. You know, we're always talking to members and things right, like that. Right, And I have learned quite a bit from Uber. Yeah, I'll bet so. Uh, I told you about the fellow who had the tattoo and on his stomach, and it was really painful. Right. And I asked him, well, why would you do that? Well, he said he was going through a a hard time. And this first verse really, all else, though at first give pleasure, is a yoke that presses hard. Beneath it, the heart is still fretting and striving, no true lasting happiness ever deriving. Now, if we can get unbelievers to recognize that, that would be the work of the law. Right. No matter what they do, they're still striving and not having found that happiness that they're really looking for. Well, this is why you occasionally hear about these uh, celebrities and such 
that seem to have the world by the tail. You know, they're wealthy, right? Yeah, uh, and yet all of a sudden you'll hear tra- tra- tragically about how they took their life. I know, you know? and and you hear this a lot. And this happens a lot with comedians. I had not realized right. that. Well, uh, Robin Williams, if I get yeah. the name right. Yeah. There's an example right there. Right. Yeah, in fact, there were four or five uh, in recent years that uh, committed suicide. And I, I like listening to the comedy station. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Sirius XM has three or four of them, but three of them are kind of dirty. So I just mm-hmm. listen to the family one. And uh, that's where I pick up some of my... Jokes. Uh-huh. Uh, I changed them a little bit. But um, sometimes you can just hear the anger in the voice of the comedian. Hmm, no and, kidding. Yeah. And you're just wondering because he's really slamming something. Then I'll just change the station to listen to the music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s <laughs> on huh. Sirius XM. But particularly if they get into politics yes. and stuff. Yes. Boy, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, that, that's offensive to me. Now, stanza two... And after you read it, tell me where it's from. How were Mary's thoughts devoted, her eternal joy to find, as intent each word she noted, at her Savior's feet reclined? How kindled her heart, how devout was its feeling, while hearing the lessons that Christ was revealing? All earthly concerns she forgot for her Lord and found her contentment in hearing his word. And I, you know, now this is obvious to you and me, but we probably should pray, uh, share with the listeners that this, of course, is the hymn for the Mary and Martha story. Yes. You know, when, when uh, they were entertaining Jesus. In fact, do you house. notice the type? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, italicized. Yes, italics. And at the bottom it says, Stanza 2 may be reserved for occasions when Luke 10 is is read. Well, when's the next time we're going to do that? Yeah. Do you know? Oh, Christmas. Luke 2? Luke 10. Oh, Luke 10. I beg your pardon. Uh, it's this Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday, right. <laughs> yes. So this, in other words, this hymn is really specifically designed for... I think so. ...for uh, Mary and Martha. Right, right, right. You could do it, but you just drop that verse. Right, and you would make note of that. Right. Um, I I think it's a pretty powerful hymn, but one thing needful, Mm -hmm. namely Christ. But that uh, second verse is about Mary listening to the words of Jesus when he did the Bible study. And we know they were listening because when Lazarus died, both Mary and Martha said, if you had been here, Lord, he yeah, wouldn't have he would died. Not have died. And then Jesus says, well, he'll live. And then it's Martha, I believe, who says, well, we know on the day of resurrection he will. Yes. But she wasn't aware he was going to raise him from the dead right then. So they already had quite an understanding of the gospel. You see, the Bible's just not big enough for Jesus' sermons all to appear. But you know what he's been saying when you get these responses from people. One thing that's always kind of bothered me, just a little bit, about the story of Jesus resurrecting Lazarus. Remember... Martha came out to greet Jesus. Right. Mary stayed in the house. Why did she stay in the house? Was she 
was she perhaps very disappointed with Jesus that he that he wasn't there? I mean, you, you ever notice that she stayed in the house, didn't got, did not come out, but Martha came out. To well, she says the same thing Martha does. If you had been here, he uh-huh. would not have died. Yeah. But it's hard for me, for Mary, to come to that conclusion that Jesus was the problem. You know, right. Um, well, I, I think we've got to be careful in trying to figure the motivation yeah, when somebody well, does course. something. Yeah, no, you're um, right. You can't know what was in her heart at the time, obviously. And it'll be a if you go to heaven and, and look for her and she keeps hiding from you, then you'll know the answer. <laughs> well, it's just kind of an interesting detail that's given that Mary stayed in the house. Well, why did? Well, you got to remember. Why did Luke tell us that? This happens all the time. Um, when um, somebody arrives in a plane for a funeral and there's folks already in the house getting yeah. ready for the funeral, right. rarely does both the husband and the wife go out to meet them. Right. One of them will stay in the house yeah, and the other true. goes and meets them. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have a problem yeah. with that. In fact, when Mary then leaves, they think she's going to the tomb and instead she's going to see Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah. So who who knows? Maybe Martha heard about it before Mary did, too. Yeah. So stanza three, please. Wisdom, wisdom's highest, noblest treasure, Jesus is revealed in you. Let me find in you my pleasure and my wayward will subdue. Humility there and simplicity reigning in paths of true wisdom, my steps ever training. If I learn from Jesus this knowledge divine, the blessing of heavenly wisdom is mine. Well, here's my question from what you just read. It says, wisdom's highest, noblest treasure, Jesus is revealed to in you. Who's you? I think it's talking to Jesus. It's talking to Jesus because you is capitalized. I will grant you the words are a little bit, you know, even as you read them without the music, it's sometimes a little hard to to connect them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, wisdom, wisdom's highest, noblest, noblest treasure, treasure, Jesus, is revealed in you. Who's what, you? It's talking to Jesus. It's saying wisdom's highest, noblest treasure, Jesus, is revealed in you. Oh, that's a good way of looking uh-huh. at it. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, but it's a little. I I understand what you're saying. It's a little bit hard uh, to connect the words here in these verses. Now you may not be aware of this, but the translator Francis E. Cox is a woman. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, no. I didn't either. No kid. Because Francis sometimes can refer sure. to being sure. a male, um, and she was the one. She died in 1897. So she had translated this ahead of time. But no, I think you are right. I didn't catch that. Um, That what he is saying is he's talking to Jesus and wisdom's highest, noblest treasure, Jesus, is revealed in you. And that, of course, what is the highest, noblest treasure? They already talked about it. Uh, Obtaining Christ. Right. Forgiveness of sins, etc. So that's good. Yeah, I was wondering about that, and that that was a good answer. I'll read four. Okay. Nothing have I, Christ, to offer, you alone my highest good. Nothing have I, Lord, to proffer, but your crimson-colored blood. 
Your death on the cross has death wholly defeated, and thereby my righteousness fully completed. Salvation's white raiments I then did obtain, and in them in glory with you I shall reign. Now, it indicates Luke chapter 10, but I would also say, nothing have I Christ to offer. That's from the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor right. in spirit, which means you don't have anything to offer God. Right. Also, uh, the uh, publican in the temple. Yes, yeah, who comes um, and yeah. has no... God be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? Exactly, in contrast to the Pharisee who thinks all his works are going to get him to heaven. Yeah, good point there. So um, it, this is really quite biblical. Uh-huh, right. It says a lot of things. Um, here's the word that children won't under, understand because it rhymes with offer. You alone my highest good, nothing have I, Lord, to proffer. Yeah, proffer. I, I've heard that before in other hymns, I think. Yeah. Uh, what does proffer. it mean? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, proffer means this is what I can give. This is what I proffer to you. Uh-huh. And there's nothing, if you look in the next line, nothing have I, Lord, to proffer but your crimson-colored blood. And so... God the Father is looking at him, why should you come into heaven? What can you proffer me? Nothing but the blood of Christ. Right. See, so that's how I understand uh-huh, that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. It's really pretty good. Stanza five. Therefore you alone, my Savior, shall be all in all to me. Search my heart and my behavior. Root out all hypocrisy. Through all my life's pilgrimage, guard and uphold me. In loving forgiveness, O Jesus, enfold me. This one thing is needed. All others are vain. I count all but loss that I, Christ, may obtain. Yes, this one thing is uh, needful, and that is, and, and it's actually mentioned, in loving forgiveness, O Jesus, enfold me. Now, I, I do have a little problem with that. Most pastors, if you ask them, what is the primary gift you get because of the cross of Christ, they'll only mention the forgiveness of sins. Life and salvation. Well, that is Where a there is result. forgiveness of sins, there's also life and salvation. But there's something else that you get. Okay, let's see. Forgiveness of sins. That takes care of sins you have committed. How about good works that you have omitted? Yeah, okay. Omitted, those, those sins are forgiven also. No. No, wait a minute. Okay, go ahead. What, what were you going to say? I, you... I would say, and we've talked about this before, is the robe of righteousness. Oh, of course, yeah, the robe of righteousness. Everybody which, which forgets covers that. Us. Yes. yes. Which covers us and covers our sins. See, when you meet with a member who has a problem, I've learned to listen to see, is their problem a sin they've committed or a good work they're unable to do. Yeah, that's the difference between active righteousness Excellent. and passive righteousness. Very That's good. why those are so important, such important distinctions. I said that to the congregation uh, Sunday during the Bible study. I said, by the way, I'm not saying anything you already don't know. Uh, nothing is new, I'm going to tell you, but it's in your heart. And right. we got to get it up to your head. Right. Because that's where it's missing. And uh, so that that'd be a good example. 
Uh, a lot of people are just really concerned about good works they're supposed to be able to do. Uh, the top one in my, which is the most difficult verse in the Bible, if you don't forgive the sins of others, God won't forgive you. Yes, that's right. Now, I'm, you're in trouble. I know. Because nobody ever forgives the sins of others perfectly. No. It's, so, In fact, I, I, you know, I, from time to time, I'll work with people that have a hard time with forgiveness. Oh, you know, and and a lot of times is working with somebody right now that is really having a hard time forgiving. You know, I have discovered in talking with them, they already have forgiven. They've got a wrong view of forgiveness. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah, that that is true. Yes. What explain that? Yes. What forgiveness is, is refusing to get personally even. Because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Okay. So let's say you're a shopkeeper and your daughter's there and a crook comes in and shoots your daughter and she dies. Uh-huh. They think forgiveness means you got to start liking the guy who yeah. shot. No, yeah. it doesn't mean that at yeah. all. It means you're going to turn it over to God right. and let him take care of the situation. And you've forgiven in that you're not taking personal vengeance. Yeah. Uh, in other words. That's and, already happened. Right. Another way of explaining it is that you know you've forgiven that person if you don't if you don't wish damnation upon that person. That's an example of your forgiveness. If yeah. You, if you want that person to burn in hell, you haven't forgiven them. I'm not so sure about that because I had a woman who was accosted and she didn't want me talking to the guy because she was afraid he would repent and go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's, what she told me. That's 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 not forgiveness. Wouldn't you agree? No, um, because what verse absolutely scared her is if you don't forgive the sins of others, you won't be forgiven. Yeah. So only a believer would be scared by that verse. Right, right. She was right. a believer. Yeah, that's good. But she was totally unable to do what she thought forgiveness meant. Yeah, you're right. An unbeliever wouldn't be wouldn't care about that at no, all. No, not at all. No, I mean, what's wrong with God? In fact, look how many people fall from the faith. Because they don't think God's doing the things that he should be doing from their point of view. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So are you going to preach on the uh, Mary and Martha or you got another Actually, thing? I'm supposed to have my uh, field ed student from the seminary preach this Sunday. Oh, excellent. Is he, have you read his sermon? Uh, I've got to do that. I've got to get on him to, to get me the sermon because you're right. I need, to, I need to review it before he preaches it. Yeah, because this is another passage that almost all the commentaries are wrong. Uh-huh. It's just like the Good Samaritan. You're talking about uh, the story of Mary and Martha. Yeah. You think you think a lot of them miss it. Oh, totally. Uh-huh. So. Wish we had more time you for at? you to explain that. I'm at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Crestwood, just south of the Watson and New Sappington intersection, 8646 New Sappington, uh, 8646 New Sappington. And join us at 5 o'clock Saturday night. Good. Or 9 o'clock Sunday morning. And Bible study? Bible study is at 10.30 Sunday morning. And tomorrow we're having a Bible study on law and gospel for congregations. Please join us. I'm Tom Baker, Mark Smith. God bless. Law and gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to law and gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free. 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.